We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri. Still alive and kicking. Somehow. With another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, recording this intro at... Uh, what was it? 10 to 11 on Thursday night. Just got done with a very, very, very fun. Um, I can't believe I'm saying that word, but yes, it was fun. A lot, a lot of laughs. Um, town hall for our um, Monroe and and Ewing tier patrons. Uh, shout out to them for helping support the cause here. Um, talked a lot of stuff out, which you know sometimes you got to do for. For three hours, we we there was a lot of feelings, uh, but no, it was it was actually really. That's why I love KFS. Uh, the people that seem to be attracted to what we do, you know, they're passionate, they're emotional, they're they they have reactions at times, but at the end of the day, they're just you know thoughtful Nick fans. And I hope if you're listening to this podcast, um, you you appreciate that we we try to keep things above board. Even when uh, the pain seems too great to bear, um, you know, got to try to make sense of stuff. Talk it out. Get to the heart of the matter. Doesn't mean we'll always agree. We probably won't usually most of the time, but talking it out helps. Um, that's how I feel, at least now. Uh, 24 hours removed from something that, my God, I would I would give almost anything to to eliminate that from my memory and to have, have changed that outcome. Um, but enough about that. This episode of the Next Film School podcast will feature the one and only Fred Katz of The Athletic. Uh, Fred has become our go-to beat reporter. Um, I cannot say enough how thankful I am the uh, fact that he willingly gives us his time so often and gives great insights and i've started to notice it more on these episodes that we record with him and we recorded the conversation before the town hall so several hours ago but like he'll drop two or three times an episode something where it's like yeah you know so-and-so rj barrett Emmanuel quickly whatever was talking to me about this thing or that thing and i didn't include the quote in the story but and then he, he gives the quote and he just he just has such great stuff to share and and add um, color to what is going on with this team. And uh, yeah, he's just, it's another awesome episode with Fred. You're really going to enjoy this. Uh, as for our beloved Knickerbockers, they are back at it um, tonight. As you were listening to this, playing the San Antonio Spurs. Um, you know, what do you do after every bad breakup? Eventually, after you get over the pain, you put yourself back out there. Back on the market. Let's give it another go. That's what the Knicks are doing. Unfortunately, their their post breakup time uh, is is determined by the NBA schedule makers, as it were. So we'll see what they got. You know, I'm. You know, Fred said it on the pod. I'm not going to spoil too much of it, but 
this team does seem to have a, a way of bouncing back. So uh, let's see if they bounce back from uh, the events on uh, Wednesday night or uh, Tuesday night, excuse me, in Dallas. All right, enough for me. Here's my conversation with the one and only Fred Katz. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, which has not closed up shop. Thought about it for a half a second. But onwards we go. Um, not only a returning guest, but co-host. Co-host, host? I mean, I don't even know what you'd say at this point. Um, when I was out last week, not feeling so great. And for that, we thank him. Uh, the one and only the athletics, Fred Katz. I'm just excited that I'm on. It's such a, uh, honestly, I feel like this is not hyperbole. Like this is a historic moment to be on this podcast after last night. Like this is, I I think, I think that was one of the most historic moments in basketball history. And I don't know what happened in the game, but I'm just referring to you showing up to the podcast after. I, knew, I, I just, knew I, if, if you could, if you could actually pick me up, I, I missed the game. I, I'm not sure what happened, but if you could pick me up on what happened, cause I might be a little behind, but the fact that you showed up to work, John, that's just like, you know, that's amazing. Not everyone is, is able to just show up to work like once no. a year. That's, it's like really an incredible thing. And I was, I was touched by it. I was inspired by it. What, were was, you inspired? I was really, I was really inspired. I mean, I sat there in silence for, for 26.9 seconds, just thinking about how inspired I was by you. That was a little, it was, it was amazing. Not or maybe 33.9. I don't know. Do we say nine points in 26.9 or Fred, would you argue, would you argue John showing up had like a one in 13,884 chance of happening? (laughs) <laughs> you know no, what I actually did. Today? I would say those odds are significantly. Yes. High. Yeah. Unfortunately. You know, uh, yeah. I actually, I actually did the the math in my calculator of figuring out now that it is instead of O for thirteen thousand eight hundred eighty four. Now that we moved to one for thirteen thousand eight hundred eighty five. Um, I did the math on now the, the the new percentage chance that a team will win in that situation, and it is uh, 99.9927% chance. So teams could have that in their back pocket. Unbelievable. That was honestly, that was, that was incredible. I listened to that post-game podcast, both parts, just because Thank I you. wanted to hear. Oh, first of all, I just wanted to check in to see if John was alive because, because you never know. You know, and, and and secondly, I didn't know. I I just wanted to hear the emotional unraveling of a, of an adult, and I I got I got what I expected. Um, yeah, man. I look. I'll just be honest. Like thinking about coming on. I mean, I was I, I shouldn't say I, I was going to say like thinking about coming on tonight. Like I really wasn't looking forward to talking about this team or sports at all. Um, which isn't true because I was looking forward to coming talking to you. Um, because for reasons I cannot explain, I do like you, Fred Gatz. <laughs> decent, decent human being. Lord, that you Lord are. knows why. I, I, I have I, I'm normally problems, I very have. nice to basically everybody except for you behind your back. And that's oh, it. And to my face. Um yeah, no, but I was I was thinking yeah, about, I don't know why I clarified behind your back. But I was thinking <laughs> I was thinking about today. I'm like, man, I, I just the thought of of talking about this team right now, trying to analyze this team. The th- honestly, the thought of like, but this is for most of the day, the thought of like watching this team play another game was like very, very unappetizing to me. And now sitting here, you know, not quite 24 hours removed, but getting there and I'm already like, all right, see what we got. Get San Antonio, you know, Get get the wheels get the wheels back in motion. I uh, yeah I, I I am I'm still struggling to be honest with you, and I don't I don't know where my mindset should be at. So I just I want to start by asking you like, where do you where where do you think this this team is at right now? I know that's an unfair question because it's like who the hell knows? But like if you had to guess, where do you think they're at? Okay, well, John, what I will say is I listened to your podcast. I thought. I thought last night's episode was really good. 
I thought you captured the emotion that can come with letting go of a lead very well while also keeping the actual meaningfulness of the basketball in perspective. And you said this over and over, which was, and I agreed with, I, I thought you framed it really well. I thought your opening monologue was really good. And I thought you basically put into perspective really well that, you know what, ultimately it was really bad down the stretch, but you want to play the young guys, this stuff. I mean, not, not literally to this extreme, maybe, but stuff like this happens when you have a bunch of young guys out there. Stuff like this happens when you're shorthanded. Ultimately, they went to Dallas. They didn't have RJ, pretty much. They didn't have Brunson. And they took a Dallas team that's really good at home and that had a hot as ever Luka Doncic. Like, my goodness, was he unbelievable. And they they took him to a game that through 47 minutes and 30 seconds, they should have won. Uh there are positives to take away from that game, even if the, even if it ended with just like a stab in the heart. And I wrote for this morning, I did like a mailbag this morning, and my lead into the mailbag was basically just like referring to how many times the Knicks have hit rock bottom. And the reason that I phrased it that way is because I wanted the reader to come away with it and be like, oh, it wasn't really rock bottom every time they thought it was rock bottom. <laughs> like, like it. It seemed like rock bottom when they gave up 145 points at home to the Thunder, but it yep. but it wasn't. And the next two games, they won at Utah and they won at Denver. They were in good shape. And it seemed like rock bottom when they got eviscerated in the third quarter at home against Dallas, coughed up a double-digit lead, and ended up losing that game. It seemed like rock bottom, but then they won eight in a row immediately after. Yep. You know, it it seems really bad in the moment in these times, but but as a little more time passes. And if you win one and you win another, it just ultimately like it, the stink has a way of wearing off if you allow it to. Uh, I think this group has shown that it doesn't fixate on wins and it also doesn't really fixate on losses. That's a very Tom Thibodeau trait. Yeah. Being that kind of discipline, like that's a very Tibbs sort of thing. I don't think they fixated on their win streak at all when they were going through it. And I don't think they, I think these kinds of losses just kind of bounce off of them the next day. Like I don't expect them to affect them much Thursday in, in San Antonio. So we'll see. I actually think there's positives to take away. I'm probably going to write something nice about Quentin Grimes tomorrow. I was, because you took the words. I, I feel like let's, let's stick with Grimes for a second since you brought him up because you know, uh friend of the pod who's had you on his pod uh, several, a couple of times now, Zach Lowe, um, came on with me over the summer and talked about how his two big things for this season were by the end of the year, the Knicks need to know what they have in RJ Barrett and Obi Toppin. And he wrote about Obi and his, his five players to watch before the year. And, and you could tell not only Zach, I'm just pointing him out because he's, he's someone we both know, but like just around the league, I feel like the, the attitude towards Quentin Grimes specifically in the context of the Donovan Mitchell trade talks. And again, it's been clarified. He was not untouchable, but like they clearly valued him a lot. And it was almost like not, it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was dismissive, but it was just like, I mean, wait, who is this? The the 25th pick who played like 700 minutes or whatever he did. And like, he looked pretty good and like, what for me to, to have him have that kind of night with the guys that were out, and then you you add that to what I consider to be the stabilizing effect that he has had on the starting five and by in conjunction, the team at large. I feel like we're really on to something here with Grimes and that maybe we this is the beginning of something. I don't know if I'm getting too far ahead of myself, but like for me as a fan, I'm as excited about Quentin Grimes as anything else right now. I'm cool with calling it the beginning of something. So Quentin Grimes, his last 10 games. Oh, I love that. I know where you're going here. Yep. 15 points a game, 49 from the field, 44 from three on 7.3 attempts a game. This is very encouraging. This is very I mean, and and by the way, he is doing it all while every single night guarding the other team's best player. 
to be honest, I know it can sound ridiculous. Oh, look at Grimes. He has 33, a career high against Dallas. And he did it all while guarding Luca. And then you look at the other side and it's like Luca dropped 60 on him. You know what? Go back and watch those plays. Yep. That was a tip your hat game. I don't think the Knicks did a terrible job guarding Luca, to I, be honest. I, 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 I didn't want to have to say it. I'm th- I thank you for saying it. I went, I went back, I watched it. I, I went back a second time because I watched it the first time and I didn't think they did a terrible job when I watched the game on Tuesday night on Luca. You know, there's some possessions where they slip up and Luke gets behind a screen and whatever. But like even in the fourth quarter, when Dallas is is going to to screens and trying to switch Randall onto him. Like Randall did a good job on him on a number of possessions Agreed. and Luca was just scoring and it's not even like he was getting hot from three and they were giving him open threes. Like Luca only no. took six threes. Nope. He was roasting him from mid range. He was roasting him from like the far out paint. Like he just was hitting these ridiculously difficult shots. And, and when a great player is just totally and completely on one, there's not really much you can do. I thought the Knicks defense was pretty good. And I thought Grimes's defense was like fine. He had actually some really good possessions. There was one possession in the first half where, where he uh, manned Luca really well, fought around the screen, stuck with him. Luca goes into the paint. He stays uh, in front of him. He you tweeted contests, this out, right? I might have. I think he you contests, tweeted. Yeah. Yep. He contests a would-be shot uh, from Luca enough that Luca doesn't feel comfortable going up with the shot. He kicks Tim Hardaway Jr. in the corner. Now Hardaway Jr. attacks a closeout because there's a frantic to close out on him. He goes baseline and now Grimes notices it. He helps off of Luca and he goes verticality on Hardaway Jr. And he totally alters a layup. Hardaway misses it and the, Knicks, and the Knicks get the rebound. It's like that's advanced defense from a second year guy making all of those decisions against a tier one incredible player, like a guy who's going to be on everyone's MVP ballot. I, well, yeah. maybe more than on on ballots. I mean, it's it's early yet, and the team is not that great, the Mavs. But like, he he's in the conversation. Let's yeah, let's he's that. in the conversation. Sure, yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, Grimes Grimes, I thought did a really good job. The thing is that late. He made a couple of rookie mistakes. He keeps doing these. The, these he's not good when he gets trapped. Mm-hmm. He had a similar play against Indiana where he just barely crossed the half court line and he just got trapped in the corner and you never want to do that. That's you never want to pick up your dribble in that corner because you're just going to be, you're going to be naturally trapped by, by the half court line and by the sideline. You just, you never, ever want to do that. Uh, and then he had another play where he got trapped and looked uncomfortable yesterday. It's just second year player. And that's what he's doing. But he took 16 threes. I think there were moments where we saw him be a little bit gun shy last year. Yes. Not the case anymore. Nope. Dude is getting the ball and he is putting it up. He looks comfortable. I feel like he, every time he attacks a closeout, he blows by his defender. Uh, he's making great secondary passes on those drives. I just, I think he's really developing Actually, you know, I was pretty high on Grimes coming into this year, and I actually think he's developing faster than than even I maybe even realized. And by the way, if RJ is going to miss time, and if Brunson has to miss more, they're going to need that. They're going to need the offense to come from somewhere. I yes, and what I love about I'm going to go back to Luca for a second. What I love about Grimes is, um, and I feel like this can be a backhanded compliment. I'll I'll explain what I mean if I have to in a second is he's a guy that can score 33 points as we just saw and you don't have to run a play for him. Now the flip side of that coin is like you're not running plays for him because you're not going to him to, you know, generate offense in the classical ways that I feel like we 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 taught we use that phrase to describe. But like for what this team is and what they need um you know, maybe if like RJ and Brunson were down for an ex- both down for an extended period of time, it would be a slightly different story. But if they have two of those three, right? You know, so only one of their quote unquote big three is down. Like what Grimes gives them, I feel like is just so absolutely vital. Um, and I just don't. I feel like you know, with everybody else on this team, I think without exception. And could, I'm curious your take on this. He he's the one that doesn't take anything off the table. 
again, he may not put as much on the table as like a guy like Brunson, who's one of the most creative scorers in the freaking league and like Randall when he's going and this and that. But like, and I want to say quickly, but like, you can't really say quickly without quickly shot this year. So like, I think it's, I think it's Grimes, right? That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It is. And part of that is because of his role, right? Like if he were in a bigger role, Absolutely. we wouldn't be yes. saying that. Yeah. No, you know, 100%. if he were in a role where he had to be like initiating the offense, we, we wouldn't be saying this, but he different conversation. So, yes. Yeah. It's another way of saying a thing that I've said on this podcast various times before, which is that he fits perfectly into all 30 teams, offenses and defenses, and he doesn't disrupt your ecosystem on either side of the floor. There you go. And um, yeah, and it's just he's he's a he's a really good plug and play role player. I man, I have a take that I've said in private. I don't know if I want to say it on a podcast. Unleash it, unleash the beast. It's friends uh, and family here. Gonna this is gonna come back to bite me. Here's the problem, Fred. You already let us down this road. You now have to cross the bridge with us. That's true. Andrew. Andrew does uh, the same thing to me whenever I say something. Eh, eh, I don't know if I want to say just, that. It, you can't just keep lead us him. to the ledge and then okay. not jump. Keep, you know, I keep watching him on this run uh, that he's on right now, and I keep, I, I just keep seeing images of Mikael Bridges. That's nice. Smaller. That's a yes, smaller Mikael Bridges, which means he can't be as good. And, and by the way, Mikael Bridges is the best version of Mikael Bridges in the NBA. So, so, but like, I'm not saying Grimes is going to be that because there are no other Mikael Bridges. Like, what's the plural of Bridges? Bridge eye. <laughs> yeah. The bridge eye, exactly. There are no other bridges. There are no other bridge eye. Uh, But like, I don't know, man. There are times where I watch Grimes and I'm like, the Knicks have him on the opposing, the top use player, like all the time. They switch him onto anyone. Tibbs has no problem switching him onto a big. It's like, yeah, he doesn't have the size of bridges, which is, uh, he doesn't have the length of bridges either, but he's got the physicality. He's got the footwork. Uh, It's just, there's a really, really, really high defensive potential there. And if he is going to shoot, I mean, I don't think he's going to shoot 44 on seven attempts a game because that's insane. Uh, But is it, but I'm sorry, I I have to jump in the, in 2022, we're almost 2023. Is it that insane for a spot up guy to shoot? Okay. me. So 44 is high. Yeah, I mean, I'm just not going to predict anyone to shoot 44% from three. That's fine. Okay. But like 41, 42 on seven attempts. Yeah, yeah. you can shoot 40. You can shoot 40. I'm not saying there's absolutely no way it happens. I just mean the 10 games of him shooting 44 from three is certainly not enough for me to say with any amount of confidence that that's the shooter that he is. But can he shoot 40 from three? Sure. For sure. That, that, That I think... He's totally within the realm of possibilities, especially with the types of shots that yes, he takes. Exactly. But he's he's taking kind of more ballsy shots lately. He took a long three the other day when he was feeling last night when he was feeling himself, and he took sixteen of them against Dallas. It's like and he, he knew they and that was the right something. move. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um. And just one more thing on on Luca, and you just brought it up again, like his defense and him guarding the best player every time. To to anyone who maybe needs a reminder. This is a player, Luka Doncic, who did what he did last night, not as many points, but I think he came pretty damn close against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the playoffs. Two of the best wing defenders the NBA has seen in the last 20 years. And on that stage, he did it. So like, it, and to me, it's like your your point is so well taken because it's not about whether Luka is going to get you because of course Luka is going to get you. Is it about is his presence out there going to compromise everything else you want to try to do on the defensive end and what Grimes ability to at least, you know, keep them on, keep them honest. It prevented that, which is why a team that went into last night, um, you know, I think they were scoring about 116, 117 per hundred possessions at home. Like what did Dallas have again before those fateful last, you know, 30 seconds. It's like the, the Knicks had done a commensurate job against them. Um, alas, they did not win the game. Uh, 
So okay, that, enough that really that really is unbelievable. They didn't win that game. That's is Luca your MVP right now? Giannis was my preseason pick. I, I don't want to. I don't want to divert. I feel like he's flying as under for as much as a guy averaging whatever the hell he's averaging twenty, you know, eight, you know, twelve and five or whatever can fly under the radar. I do feel like he's flying a little bit under the radar, but like best player, best team, you know, third MVP is kind of a capstone. Um, I'm not going to change my vote just yet. Why? Who's yours? It's so tough. Not impossible. We did this last week. So either Giannis or Jokic, although since the last time when I ranted about Jokic, Jokic had another just monstrous game. Uh, I think either Giannis or or Jokic, but Giannis has just been so incredible defensively this year that he might, he might be my guy. He might be my guy. I mean, another guy who has to be up there is KD. That's for sure. My top three right now. Yeah. But it's tough. And look, There's so many good candidates. Embiid is on an insane run. Tatum, Tatum is obviously as good a choice as anybody. Luca has been unreal. Like it, one guy who I've said is not going to be on there. Plus Steph, who's hurt right now, but was insane before he got hurt. Yeah, I mean Donovan Mitchell, who I the Cavs are still fourth in the East. Um, he's still the you know been the best player on that team. Like he, I don't think he ends up with the top ten by the time all said and done. That dude's had an outstanding season. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely all NBA Mitchell. Yeah, for sure. He's all NBA. Yes. But like when you look at like I, if if the Pelicans finish in the top three or so, like you got to figure Zion's getting like some MVP votes. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Not a rookie. That's a good transition um, because I think it's it's going to be a way to, to, to loop it back around to like what you said earlier, which is they'll get a win and then they'll get another win. And like this will go to start to fade into the distance. And this I, I don't mean this to, to be as ex- existential as it's going to sound, but it, it gets to the point of like. What is the point of this season again? Like the, the 2022-23 New York Knickerbocker season, right? Because they do not have one of the players that we just mentioned. And as a result of that, they are not in any serious contention to do anything other than maybe put a scare into someone in the first round of the playoffs if they even get that far. And I still don't think that that's a, a, a guarantee. Um, and I keep going back to... If unless you're rooting at this point for just everybody to get fired, which I guess there are still some people rooting for that, I think it has to be Leon Rose came here, brought a long time to with him, stabilized the organization. That stability seemed to show major fractures last year. 
And now this season, to me at least, is about fixing those fissures and reminding everybody around the league, like, okay, the Knicks are actually on the right path. They have their shit together. They're not going to be reactionary, whether it's by trade or by a firing or by whatever the case may be. And they can, like, this is now two out of three years. Team could put one foot in front of the other. They're developing talent. They have a plan. They have a path. They have these assets. This To me, that's still what it's about, which is why a loss like, you know, last night's frightens me because I just don't want it to fall off the cliff. That's all I'm worried about right now. Like I, you deal with wins and losses. You just don't want the, uh, the extreme downside. Where's your head, uh, head at as far as what everything I just said. My head has not changed at all in the entire season of where they're at. I, I have felt kind of the exact same way about where they're at. The entire year, whether they won eight in a row, whether they lost four in a row, I don't think it changes that much about the big picture, which is that I still think this team ultimately is star hunting for the first star on the door. And I still wonder exactly how they're going to go about trading for the first star in the door and having enough left over to trade for the second star or Okay, if you're not actually going to trade for the first star, you're going to find a way to open up space and then you're going to make a trade. How you open up space? Because that is going to be real tough. I don't know how the heck you're going to do that. So there are a lot of things that I think are interesting. I, the one thing I'm really curious about, and I kind of alluded to this in the mailbag that I, that I mentioned that I wrote this morning. Which is, is excellent, by the way. I should have said that at the top. That's my fault. I'm sorry. Fred. Thank you. That's it. I love your mailbag. I appreciate it. I uh, no, I, I'm real. I'm, I wonder what how the process is going to go with Emmanuel quickly, because we're a month and a half away from the trade deadline now. And, and and you know, I wrote a story that we talked about in this podcast in like November about how the Knicks were were active, listening to trades for quickly, trades for Rose, trades for Reddish, trades for Fournier. Right. Yep. And at the time, they made it pretty clear they wanted a first round pick for for quickly if they were going to trade quickly in a, in like a solo quickly deal where quickly is the main piece. That's what they wanted back. And he has not shot the ball. Well, no at all. And one in 10 last night from deep. I do think it's a little wrong that people just write that off as, but he does everything else so well. It's like, no, if you're going to be a high usage player, you can't just have like a 45% effective field goal percentage. Like you got to, Nope. You gotta be more efficient than that. If you're gonna be a 20 usage player, you have got to have an effective field goal percentage above 45%, wherever quickly is hovering now, 46, whatever it is. It's just it's too low. And it's why I think the league in general views him as a bench player and not a starter, because he's a guy who dribbles a lot. And it's hard to have a guy who dribbles that much and is that inefficient in your starting unit. You can let him roast against bench units but it's harder as a starter. And that is something that will bring him down. But all of that said, he's just been so good in every other tiny little minute area. You know, you know, one thing that I, that I love about quickly, and I've been wanting to write about this for a little bit and I just haven't done it. The Knicks have this little wrinkle in their defense. It's called go defense. And tell me more. This is, when quickly is guarding the shooter and the strong side, watch for this. It doesn't happen very often, but when it happens, it's so seamless. So quickly is guarding the shooter on the strong side. Conventionally, you are never supposed to help on dribble penetration from the strong side. You have from the weak side, right? On the strong side, you are generally supposed to stay on, but what quickly will do, and this is called, this is what's called go defense is quickly will help off of when he's guarding on the strong side and he notices that the guy who's guarding the ball gets blown by. Okay. So like, let's say Grimes is up top. He gets blown by quickly. will then help from the strong side and we'll call a switch onto his man in the corner and Grimes who was guarding the ball will peel off and go to the corner to guard. And it happens yeah. so seamlessly. And those, I just think it is so, um, emblematic of what makes quickly a good player and that it's this unbelievably small detail that you're not going to catch unless you know what to look for. Right. But once you see it, you're like, 
oh, damn, that was going to be a wide open layup. And instead, they're just pulling back out and starting a new play. And he doesn't get a block and he doesn't get a steal. He doesn't get any sort of stat out of it. But he just and it and it looks so routine when it happens that it doesn't look like a great play. But all those those quick thinking, quick moving, quick decision making, no pun intended, sorts of moves. He's just so good at all those sorts of things. And and I just wonder how the Knicks, after that eight game winning streak, and even after this four game losing streak, I I I don't know the answer to this question. I wonder how it changes the quickly market in their view because he's been like. It's a cliche, but the dude just makes winning plays. Like he I just was, makes winning plays. And yeah. you kind of need that. It's nice to have a 23-year-old who makes winning plays. And I don't think they need to trade. It's not like you need to trade him. It's not like he's an unrestricted free agent coming up and he's gonna leave. He's got a year and a half left and he's restricted. Like you don't need to trade him. So I, I am I am really curious to see what ends up amounting of the quickly stuff because look. It's good to have those sorts of players and they're good for your culture and they're good when you want to win basketball games. I part of why I lost my shit, not to you, but to the universe after you wrote that excellent piece is because one, I took it. This is not something you've told me to be very clear, not something you wrote, but I took it as like, man, they're this is more than taking calls that it felt reading, reading what you wrote, just like everybody else could do. Go, go read the piece. Just that's all I'm saying. Reading what you wrote. I took it as me. Jonathan Macri took it as they they're looking to get to move him for value for value. To be very clear, they're looking to move him and it rubbed me the wrong way because of what you just said. And, it, and I wrote it the next day or two days later, whatever it was, if you draft a guy like this and he does the sorts of things that you are describing and you're looking to trade him before the trade deadline of his third year, something is not right in that case, which gets back to my larger point about it's not even about Emmanuel quickly. It's about the larger process that's going on here, you know, and like, is this a is this a sound decision making apparatus behind the scenes? And I'm looking at it right now. I just went to double check and it's still where it was a few days ago on off differential. On defense, Emmanuel quickly via cleaning the glass, 99th percentile. They're giving up nine or 14.2 fewer points per hundred possessions. Um, and when he's on the floor, and like it, it's been high on year that number, but early on, I kind of chalked it up to well, he's coming in for Fournier and the starting lineup's a disaster. So, like, it's you know, there's a lot of noise. Well, now we're getting up, it's over 800 minutes. So 99th percentile, 800 minutes that you can't fake that. And it's been so many rotation changes and lineup changes. And the one constant is that when this freaking guy gets on the floor, this team turns into just a different animal on the defensive end. And I I cannot chalk it up to coincidence. I do think he's a player. You, you make every effort to retain on your roster, unless you just, has decided like, look, I'm out on you guys. Like, get me the hell out of here, which again, we, you know, who the hell knows? I, I hope that's not the case. Um, but it, I, I too am curious, Fred. I will just, I will just say that. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it well. I think those numbers are a little extreme. Th- th- yes. But he's not Rudy Gobert, the, but I think the general theme of them are good. And I think the general theme of them are true. The Knicks are much better defensively when Emmanuel quickly is playing. There's no question about that. And it's, he, he's good. He's good on the ball. We've seen him come through with some really big defensive possessions guarding the ball this year. I mean, the, the most obvious one is the end of that Denver game that was out in Denver when he was on Jamal Murray and he just stuck with him and played incredible defense and contested a three and they won the game. But he's their best off ball defender, I think. Yeah, probably. Certainly on the perimeter, he's their best off-ball defender. And you can make an argument that like Mitch is their best off-ball defender, but he's their he's their best off-ball defender on the perimeter. And and another way to say it is just that like he's their most disciplined defender. He's their best decision maker on defense. And that's why I mention the the go defense that he plays, because that's just really hard. It's really hard to execute that. And it takes a really you have to be really smart 
in order to do that. It takes a really quick mind. And I just, I think back to before I was covering this team, but when I would watch him during his rookie year and he was like frantic defensively. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible. I, I, I've asked him about it. Like, how did this happen? Like you, you, you were like all over the place as a rookie and now you're so composed defensively. Like, how did this happen? And he chalks it up to just obsessively watching film. He has like his favorite guards who he watches and he just like, like he loves to study drew holiday. I was about to say, who does he love? He loves drew holiday. Drew holiday. Good, good choice. Good guy. To- I love Drew <laughs> Holiday to say. too. Yeah, good one. Very good choice. If you're going to try to study defense, study Drew Holiday, who who is as good as ever defensively. By the way, I think he's been obscene this year defensively. Uh, but but with with quickly, it's it's amazing. I mean, look, a lot of rookies struggle when they first come into the league because the speed of the game is just so overwhelming at the NBA level. You really have to get used to it. But it's amazing to see quickly just progress this fast into what he's become as a team defender because he's 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 quite good at it and he's a big reason by their top three, top four in defense in December and uh, it's it's been good for them. John, we're being very positive today. I like this. I'm, we're being I didn't, positive. Everyone's being so negative after the loss, and and you know what? We can we can inject some good vibes into the world. The world needs good vibes. It doesn't mean more angry people. Listen. This is good. I'm going to I'm going to sh- jump from here to a town hall in which I have a feeling there was going to be a lot of a lot of uh hashtag #fire fire you know who uh energy and I just I'm I'm trying to get the positivity in now well I can. Um as an aside, I don't need like a long one on this, but just do you think Tom Thibodeau is doing a good job? Yeah. I mean, I think he's doing a much better job than he did last year. <laughs> That's not hard. <laughs> he, I, he, listen, I was his defender all year and in retrospect, and I've admitted I, I was I was wrong to defend him as much as I did. It was not his best. I think he would even he would admit that in retrospect, you would hope. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think he's doing a pretty good job. I mean, are there things that that he could do better for sure. Like, like I didn't think the last 30 seconds of crunch time were were coached particularly well. I wrote about this morning. I I didn't really understand why there wasn't a third, um, you know, rebounder put on the floor for the Luca free throw. Tibbs is normally what's weird is Tibbs is normally very situationally people, people criticize him for in-game adjustments and stuff, but his in-game management is normally very precise. Like he, if he can get Deuce McBride onto the floor for the final defensive possession yeah, he does of it. a half or a quarter, like he's getting on the floor, like that kind of stuff normally happens. So I was surprised not to see a rebounder come out there. Um, and look, there are certain things with Tibbs that you're just going to have to deal with. You're going to have to deal with a lot of threes and you're going to have to deal with a lot of corner threes, but he's adjusted some things. They're switching more. They're not helping from the weak side quite as much as they were early in the year. And I think, I think ultimately the thing with Tibbs and, 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 you know, offensively he is what he is, but I think ultimately the thing with Tibbs is that they've set up a pretty good culture where they play hard every single night. And if you play hard and if you guard, you get to play. And I just think there's something to a group of young guys who all play really, really hard and none of whom seem to care about getting theirs, you know, like that's an understated. At, thank you for that. Cause I, I, I don't think I don't Rockets, bring that up enough, man. Like go oh look at God. some other teams where it's like they're young and they're bickering because they've all been stars their whole lives. And they, they think they all need to, be able to get theirs. Uh, and, and so either they're outwardly unhappy or they're just kind of inwardly unhappy and they're good people and they're good spirits and they want to do right by everybody. But you can tell that they're not happy because it's just like, you're not going to make that extra dive on the floor when you're not thrilled and you don't believe in what you're representing there or the extra uh, pass. Yeah. Or the extra pass. And I just think when you watch the way that the guys who are playing now are playing, it's hard for me to look at, that team and be like, that's not a well-coached team. Like they, they, they play well together. They're also all very aware of their roles now, which I think is, is a good thing. 
Now, are there some things that I don't really get? Totally. Like, I don't really get why Evan Fournier just can't play. Done. Like, just can play. It never plays. I don't really get it. I don't think it's because, like with Reddish, I, I, I think it's because Tibbs wants guys who are going to go out there and play as hard as they possibly can, no matter what. And that's just not, he doesn't believe Reddish is going to represent that. Fournier never had a play hard problem. And to yeah. my knowledge, he's been nothing but professional since being benched. Uh, so like, I don't really get why Fournier can just never play no matter what, even when they're down. Like we keep saying the Knicks were shorthanded last night, but they were like self-imposed shorthanded, yeah. right? They weren't actually shorthanded. Right. They were shorthanded, but what they were, they were shorthanded the same way that, that to, to bring a Dallas reference into it, they were shorthanded the same way Davis Bertans is shorthanded in which he literally accidentally sliced off part of his hands and now has four and a half fingers. And thus he's shorthanded. We're like, no, you did it to yourself. Davis. <laughs> That's boy. I don't know how to transition from that. Um, okay. I covered Davis. I'm allowed to say that. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Can I jump in? Yeah, please. So to that point, Fred, because that was a point of frustration that some people brought up today that this is a self-imposed shorthanded team is your read of the situation that i mean you reported the the knicks are taking calls on on quickly but also on cam and on on fournier was your read going into it that like there there's an agreement between organization agents player coach that like okay you guys will sit until we find you a home and that's why there was just no version of the Knicks that they would go to them last night and then as a result since we're going to be without RJ for a week there's no guarantee Brunson is available when they play the Spurs could that change going into Thursday night and Fournier and Cam might suddenly be available I don't know the answer I have no indication that that's true. I would be surprised that they're, that they're unavailable were. or they are available. I, I would be surprised if it were true that there were some agreement that you are not going to play no matter what until we trade you. But I, I have, I have no indication that that's true. I guess I have no indication that it's not true, but I haven't, I haven't heard that. I, I mean, if I were reddishes or Fournier's reps, I wouldn't even want that. I would, I would, I'd be like, no, if you sit my guy, then he's not going to get traded. And yeah. I would want my guy traded so that he could play. Yeah. So if you sit my guy, then his value is going to tank and then he's even less likely to get traded. And then he's going to have to stay in this place where he's not going to get traded. I, what the heck happens with Reddish if they just literally can't get anything for him? Like, no, man, he walks. John, what happens? I, I was sitting there last night and I was thinking like, if he literally, let's say he literally does not play no matter what. And, and last night, it's safe to say he might literally not play no matter what. Like he's just so deep in the doghouse that he'll never get him. I'm just trying to, what if, I'm, just, I'm trying to think of the value of, of, cause the cap space doesn't matter. So you, you know, you retain his capital, but they're, they're not going to tender the qualifying offer. So if they're not, well, gonna I was the, thinking you just buy him out. No, but that's, I'm saying, is there, is there any value to retaining his rights? into the summer. And I just think there given is because of a sign in trade. Yeah. But that don't, don't I, I see, I should be more brushed up on this than I am. Doesn't that, don't that, doesn't that mean you have to tender the qualifying offer? I'm yes. not sure. Okay. Yes, yeah. And does. I don't think they want to tender the qualifying offer to camera. That's true. You if know, you don't so, want to tender the qualifying offer. Then, then I mean, you could, it's, it's a then, top 55 just, protected fucking second pick second round pick on yeah. February 8th or 9th whatever it is I think they will be able to trade him I think they will too worth. yeah someone will give something they'll be like they'll see you know all the marvelous stuff that that a lot of other teams have have fell in love with and they'll see the athleticism and the finishing and just like He's so graceful when he finishes at the rim. Like his Euro step is so graceful It is and they'll see that and they'll think he is 23 years old Let's see if there's something here and the price will be so low that they'll be like, there's actually no risk. This is no risk, all reward. Yeah. Uh, and they'll, I think somebody will, will go for it, but in, there's a world where no one does. And there's a, I, I just wonder, I mean, I, 
buying him out would be like insane from a you just traded a first round pick for him sort of vantage point. But also, like if he's literally never going to play no matter what, then isn't that roster spot better used on somebody else who might play? I or that you think in a year or so will be. Uh, you know, maybe you could get, maybe you could sign a player to a 10 day and then a second 10 day. Yeah. And then maybe you you get him on the cheap for the next year whatever. Right. And to be, and to be clear, like when I talk about a buyout, this is well down the line. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Like this is no, I know, but it, a number of steps. This is after the trade deadline. Yeah. After you've known you, 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 you did not trade him. And it is when you have decided definitively as an organization that you, yeah. like you said, you're not going to tender the qualifying it's offer a, for him. You're just going to make him unrestricted. It's a good theoretical exercise on the 48 point. And then I want to ask you one more question. Then we got to get out of here. Um, to me, it's like <laughs> you are someone that used to binge. Uh, uh, stay with me for this analogy. I promise it may, it may be terrible, but it's going somewhere. Let's say you're someone that, Binges on carbs, and anytime you, you can, you can't regulate yourself. You just don't have the ability to regulate yourself, and it, it always, you know, makes your diet go to shit. And then one day you just swear them off finally for good, and it's working for you, and things are going good. But um, on a particular night or week or whatever, your grocery delivery doesn't come. Whatever the case may be, you have like almost no food in the house except for like some frozen bagels. And you could eat the frozen bagels and you know, intellectually, it's like, look, it's a weird circumstance. If I have a frozen bagel now, it doesn't mean I'm going to have a frozen bagel tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But for you, that mental leap to going back to carbs is just you can't do it. And you, so it's like you'd rather sit there and starve than have the frozen bagel because of like what it represents for you or maybe because you don't trust yourself is it logical it's not logical but that's what i think is happening with him for and carb reddish <laughs> i almost don't want to ask the last question because that's that's we just ended there we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about WinBet, the official sportsbook of Knicks Film School. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. Ready to win money and boost your odds? We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards. Get in on all your teams, players, and sports. From the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, MMA, golf, the W, and more. Great promos, odds, and paths are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download the WinBet app now or go to winbet.com to start winning. That's bet 100, win 100 at www.wynnbet.com. Download, bet, win. It's that simple. One more because it was... It was a very good. Uh, it was a very good um, answer. I thought you had to uh, your mailbag today. Um, Julius Randall and Jalen Brunson. You broke down their All Star chances. Uh, I won't spoil the column. Everybody, go subscribe to the Athletic. No, we can it. talk about it. It's it's a mailbag answer. You can say whatever you want. Well, no, but I, I just appreciate like the you, sentiment. 
You know, but you went through why it is going to be a very, very, very significant uphill battle for forget two of these players to get in one of these players to get into the all-star game. And I don't disagree with your logic. It is going to be an uphill battle. I think to go back to something you said before about like the big picture question of getting the first star in the door, but also having enough for the second star. I think there has been a little bit of thought this season with how good Randall has looked, how good Brunson has looked. And really lately, how good RJ has looked that maybe there is a world where it's not it, like it, the necessity of the two stars isn't there. And it is just, if you could find the right number one, and then maybe if it's a fit issue, maybe you swap one of the other two for like a guy who isn't necessarily a huge upgrade, but it's just a better fit with your roster. Like I, I do feel like there is some of that, that I that I'm going to be curious how the rest of the season plays out. And of course, RJ is hurt right now, which sucks. But like, I think the conversation for that, that particular conversation that I just brought up as it always is, because he's the most, you know, thought about player. I feel like in the history of, of this franchise, I feel like it really is about RJ. And we were seeing some really, really nice stuff from him before he, well, Christmas wasn't good, but like, and now he went out. Are you, are you watching RJ closely for the rest of this year after he comes back? And and if so, do you have a, like, what is your realistic ceiling outcome for him for the rest of the year, given how he's played in December? Let me think about it. And while you're thinking about it, I'll I want to shout this. out the, the last story you wrote, which was RJ centric and was excellent. And that's why I'm asking this. Thanks, man. Uh, I will say, I just don't give a crap about the points per game. I oh, just yeah, don't care. I just don't care about his points per game. I don't care if he has 27. I don't care if he has 16. He has games where he has 18 and he plays well. And he can have games where he has 27 and he doesn't play well. And I think the best part of this hot stretch that he was on during this time wasn't that he was hitting his threes and he wasn't that he was finishing better around the rim. It was, that I thought his decision-making was so much better. Like you, you guys talked about it so much on the pod and rightfully so that like, you know, he talked about how over the summer, one of the main things that he focused on was his decision-making. Once he hit the paint, yep. he just didn't want to be able to have those times where he hit the paint and two defenders converge on him and he throws up some flailing shot anyway. Yep. And it was happening. And He's just playing with more pace. I, I spoke about it with him a little bit, and uh, I didn't use any of the quotes for the story, but we talked a little bit about him playing with more pace, and and he actually said that had had to do with with film as well. If you notice, like defenders will always try to make him go right, right, mm -hmm. like all the time. And last year, he would blow by defenders all the time. Not not saying that he would actually successfully blow by them, but he would put his head down. And when he tried to go right, it was, I'm putting my head down and I am going right. And if you get in front of me, well, I guess I'm screwed. And if you don't get in front of me, I'm going to figure it out in about one and a half seconds. And that was the way that it worked. And he just had a number of plays now over this last two, three weeks before, by the way, just does Luka Doncic have the longest nails in I, history? We, we made some jokes about it on the playback that I won't is care. He Wolverine? Like what? He's what the, is he, this? How? He's the girl in Wednesday. He's the girl in Wednesday. Uh, shout out to my daughter's favorite show on Netflix. Um, the, the the roommate. She has like she's a, a werewolf. That's her like superpower, and she has like these long nails. That's unbelievable. What? Oh yes, rainbow nails. My daughter is here. Remind rainbow nails. There we go. Way to get but they're sharp. They're clear. Like claw. they're not quite claws, but they are very, very long, sharp nails. So that's uh, that's who Luca is. We should call him Rainbow Nails Donches. Oh, let's do it. That would make me. Very I happy. don't. I just don't understand how he like just barely swiped at a ball, and RJ just wouldn't stop bleeding. I guess that's. It's just wild. RJ's I mean, tough, too. He's out a fucking week. 
Yeah. Like RJ is tough too. Like RJ is not some dude. RJ wants to play. Like he's, he's not some dude who just gets a hangnail and is out. Like he's tough. They, that's just a wild. Lucas got some long nails, man. He's got some long nails. Anyway, with RJ, anyway, <laughs> there are just moments now when he goes right. And instead of just trying to blow by, Watch him. He tries to keep his defender on his back. It's almost like when when a ball handler comes around to pick and roll and you want to keep and, and and your guy gets hung up on the pick and roll, so he's behind you. You want to do it's called keeping keeping your guy in jail. You want to keep him in jail? Kind of stick quickly your ass did that out. a lot last year, not as much this quickly season. is yeah, quickly he was good at drawing fouls that way. He was really yeah. good at drawing fouls that way. I mean, the master of that is Chris Paul. Oh Chris God. Paul is Chris Paul is is the best at that and gets run over all the time on that exact move. Uh, but RJ will do it. He's just pacing differently. And, and, and what I would really want to see with RJ is just him continuing to have a change up. Just, just him only throwing fastball after fastball, after fastball. It just, it's not going to work over the course of an entire NBA career. Nope. It's just not going to work at that level. And, and him developing an off speed pitch I think it was really, really good for him. And it was starting to work. You know, when he hit the paint, it's not that he never found shooters because he actually was okay at finding guys in the corner. It was yeah. that he would really find guys on the wing. That was really where he would rarely find shooters. And he's starting to find more now. He's making better passes. And, and, and honestly, just that decision-making is going to help his percentages so much because when he makes the better decision, he's not tossing up some ugly floater out of a triple team. Like he's just not taking that shot at all. So he's not missing it. So I thought that was the most encouraging part of the stretch. And and that's why I wrote that story on RJ last week that you referenced, because I thought that was just the most encouraging part of this run for him. And uh, I think it's possible that you need to see more of it. You need to see more of it. It's only been a few weeks, but I, I'm keeping my eyes open because I think it's possible that that's a real legitimate, sustainable improvement. And, uh, you know, that would obviously change the way that we think of him as a player. I think it has to be sustainable. I think it has to be permanent. And if you, I don't know what was going on defensively with him over the first month or so of the season. I feel like it's gotten better. I, I, I don't know if I'm all the way where I want to be with RJ defensively, but I'm, I'm closer. If the, if he's not getting targeted defensively, which he was getting targeted at times at, at the beginning of the season, which is a wild thing to say, but it was happening. I saw it with my own two eyes. Um, if he's just like a solid at worst defender and the decision-making is where, as you point out, is where it's been recently, that's at least a guy, everybody, every team in the NBA could look at and be like, okay, we could work with that. You know, we could, we could, that fits with what we want to do. It may not fit in the way it fits in New York as a, as a 25, you know, 26 usage guy. And that gets into the other issues of what RJ, you know, would like to be as an NBA player and where he thinks he's, he's going to end up and all that. But like you're out of the danger zone and then it's just about, okay, well, how, how high up can we go from here? I I completely agree with you. I'm happy. That's what you brought up where he's concerned because it's what I'm, it's what I'm looking for as well. Um, so yeah, You're very positive about the Knicks. My this fellow beat writers this. are going to call me a homer, even though I didn't even grow up a Knicks fan. You let me tell you, you call like it is. That's that's the reality of the situation, you know. It's not that bad. They're fine. They're 18 and 17. They're where they're supposed to be. They're six in the east. I didn't pick them six in the east. I didn't either. I think I picked up ninth. Uh, which, you know, another bad week. We'll see. But hopefully, yeah, I mean, they're also like they're they're what up one on ninth. Yeah, whatever it is. It's gonna be I have a feeling we're gonna get we're now into the stage of the season where six through I guess maybe Chicago hangs around, maybe Washington makes some kind of crazy crazy trade. Um Yeah, we'll you know. see if we'll see if that Beal injury is is real or not. I mean Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's a that's a good one. Well, a lot of a lot of we'll sees, but they'll they'll be in it. Uh, moving forward, Fred Katz, uh, you're amazing. Thank you so much. You stayed a little uh, overtime because you're the best, and that's just what you do. Um, for anybody, well, who- you guys, I will what? say I am always thrilled to come on. You guys are the best. You guys have a great podcast. And uh, John, I'm just I'm just proud of you for showing up, man. This is it's impressive. Two days in a row at work. Two days. Got to pay the bills, me? Fred. There are so many. 
bunnies just celebrating in the woods right now being like, I, I, I'm I'm so happy that I'm alive and my family's alive and there's just no one here to murder me right now because he's it's just preoccupied podcasting. I don't even know if you listened to the podcast that we did, in which I accuse you of murdering bunnies in the woods. I was but, gonna say I, I was gonna bring my but that's now out cap. there, so you might as well admit to it. No, I was gonna I was gonna bring my coonskin cap and wear it for this pod. But I thought there better of it. I didn't want to scare the children. Uh, remind folks at home, please, if you wouldn't mind, where they could find you and your wonderful material. Uh, read me on The Athletic. Um, follow me on Twitter at Fred Katz. And uh, that's about it. That's about it. Good job. That Fred. is about it. <laughs> that's go. about it. Signing off for, for Car British. I'm Fred Katz. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Fred's awesome. Go follow him. Go subscribe to The Athletic. They're always running deals. I'm sure you can get a subscription for a dollar a month. It seems like they're they're always doing one of those. Um, it's worth it for Fred alone, but they also have other stuff too. So um, yeah. Uh, as always, if you dig the show, uh, feel free to leave us a five-star rating. Drop a little review. Um, kind words only, please. And uh, yeah, if you're if you're not subscribed, feel free to subscribe. Uh, I am now going to go try to try to sleep. I did not sleep well last night after that game. Uh, hoping I can get some sleep tonight. 24 hours plus removed. We'll see. Say a prayer for me, folks. I'll talk to everybody later. Peace out. 